You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. The serious side of the J. Rouse Show is coming up next right here on the TJRS Radio Network online radio at its best. You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. 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 No more, it's none of my business. No more, I'm sure they'll work it out. No more, boys will be boys. No more, I'll say something next time. No more, why didn't she tell anyone? No more, she was flirting with him. No more, she's too smart to let that happen. No more, not my problem. No more, he didn't mean it. No more, why doesn't she just leave? No more, he said he was sorry. No more, she was drunk. No more, she was asking for it. No more, she seems just fine to me. No more, she should have been more careful. No more, we don't talk about that. No more bystanding. No more ignorance. No more excuses. No more. No more. No more. WWE Superstar Big Show here to tell you if you've been drinking, get a ride. Take a cab. Find another safe way to get home. Cops all across the country are cracking down on drunk driving. They will see you before you see them. Drive sober or get pulled over. Online radio at its best. Online radio at its best. Hey, 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 good morning. If you're ready, map of the south. Let's do this. I'm telling you, I am first very honored that you would join me tonight. He has a very limited time spot, so we want to bring in Mr. Alan Farrell right away. Hey, how are you, Kathleen? You know what? I'm going to make you do what I do, baby. Man, what's crack-a-lackin', baby? What's crack-a-lackin'? It's time for the serious side of the Jay Brown Show. Don't try to call me out, princess. You can take your love and true purpose and stick it. She's a bitch. You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. Network. Hi, from NPR News in Washington, I'm Giles Snyder. The mayor of Dayton, Ohio, Nan Whaley, says the gunman who carried out the second major mass shooting in less than 24 hours was wearing body armor and had extra high-capacity magazines. She's crediting Dayton police for fatally shooting him. In less than one minute, Dayton first responders neutralized the shooter. Well, this is a terribly sad day for our city. I am amazed by the quick response of Dayton police that saved literally hundreds of lives. The gunman killed nine people in Dayton's Oregon district, a popular nightlife area. At a press conference a short time ago, Whaley updated the number of injured, saying 26 people are at local hospitals. Authorities in El Paso, Texas, are investigating whether Saturday's shooting was a hate crime. Law enforcement officials say they're reviewing a manifesto believed to have been written by the suspect, a 21-year-old man from the Dallas area. He's in custody. 20 people were killed, 26 others injured in that shooting at a shopping center in El Paso. Joey Palacios of Texas Public Radio reports the shooting has renewed calls for gun control. Texas has seen three violent mass shootings since 2017. Democratic presidential candidate Julian Castro says Texas is a largely pro-gun state with both open and concealed carry gun laws, but that didn't deter the El Paso gunmen. That shooter knew that there would be a lot of people who were carrying guns in that store. That didn't make a difference. The quote-unquote good guy with a gun doesn't make a difference. 
we have to make sure that these weapons don't get out on the street, that they don't get in the hands of people who shouldn't have them. That is the answer. Beto O'Rourke, an El Paso native, also running for the Democratic nomination, announced via campaign emails he would be canceling events in Nevada and California to return to the border city. For NPR News, I'm Joy Palacios in San Antonio. To Kentucky now, where Democrats wearing Russian Cossack hats and waving Russian flags seized on the viral Moscow Mitch nickname. Chanting it at Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell at a rowdy political picnic Saturday. From member station WKMS, Liam Niemeyer reports on McConnell's appearance. Democratic critics created the Moscow Mitch moniker earlier this week to attack McConnell for blocking two election security bills, despite warnings from intelligence officials that Russian 2020 election interference is likely. McConnell heard the name again from Democrats at an annual West Kentucky political picnic that's known for mudslinging on both sides. McConnell also drew cheers from Republicans there as he criticized Democratic policies. For NPR News, I'm Liam Niemeyer in Murray, Kentucky. And you're listening to NPR News. Coming up next on The Serious Side. We're coming on the air this morning with breaking news from Dayton, Ohio, a second mass shooting in the United States in less than 24 hours. Overnight, nine dead in Dayton after a shooter fired a long gun outside on a street in a popular nightlife district. Police were nearby when the shooting began. Several officers helped to shoot and kill the gunman in what they say was a very short period of time. 16 people were injured, none of them police. That comes on the heels of Saturday's mass shooting at a crowded Walmart in El Paso, Texas, which left 20 dead and 26 injured. The 21-year-old gunman in police custody. Officials say they're investigating an anti-immigrant document, which may have been posted by the shooter. I was watching the so-called debate last night. watched the night before that was long long television and the democrats spent more time attacking barack obama than they did attacking me practically joe biden was out yesterday talking about the debate even he was surprised by the way some of his competitors went after the obama legacy check it out i must tell you i was a little surprised at how much their incoming was uh about Barack, uh, about the president. I mean, uh, I, uh, I, I'm proud of having served with him. I'm proud of the job he did. Uh, I don't think there's anything he has to apologize for. And uh, I think, uh, you know, it, it kind of surprised me, uh, the degree of the criticism. Now, Senator Harris says she's proud of her record as a prosecutor and that she'll be a prosecutor president. But I'm deeply concerned about this record. There are too many examples to cite, but she put over 1,500 people in jail for marijuana violations and then laughed about it when she was asked if she ever smoked marijuana. She blocked evidence. She blocked evidence that would have freed an innocent man from death row until the courts forced her to do so. She kept people in prison beyond their sentences to use them as cheap labor for the state of California. And she fought to keep cash you, bail system in place. That impacts poor people in the worst kind of way. Welcome to the serious side of the Jay Wild Show with Mrs. Vanessa Maybell, Mr. Jerome Esprit, the official texter of the show, Mr. Johnny D, and Mr. Elias. Yeah. 
Now here is your host, Jay Ryle. Good Sunday morning to you folks. Today is August 4th. 2019, and it's time for the serious side of the J. Rouse Show, which happens every Sunday morning right here on the TJRS Radio Network, online radio, as best like the man. So I'm J. Rouse, glad to be back in the captain's chair this week. I understood, from what I understand, we have some technical difficulties, so we were away again, but I promise you guys, we'll figure this out and make sure that we bring you what we need to bring you on a weekly basis to keep you informed give you our opinion on what's happening in the week's news. But as always, I never share the stage by myself. I'm introduce you to a lot of people, all the people. They all up in the house this morning, some of the best in the business. First up, she's my big sis. She is an avid CNN watcher, but I see that that time is turning just a little bit. Maybe she's spending a little bit more time on MSNBC. Let's bring her in. Big sis, Vanessa Mayvelli from the McAnally. Good morning, Vanessa. How are you? I would say good morning, but since so many people have died within 24 hours, I'm going to say just condolences to El Paso and Ohio. I am here, and I am ready to get started with this show. It's going to be interesting. Absolutely. Same here. Ditto. agree with you uh, wholeheartedly. Good words. Thank you for bringing that up. The man I call the educated rapper, the smartest man in the room. Uh, well, he is the second. Well, he, he is one of the smartest men. Let me put this one of the smartest people on the face of this planet. Had an opportunity to spend some quality time with him this week, this past weekend. We'll definitely get into that conversation a little later on in the show. But let me bring him in, the one and only Mr. Johnny D, in the place to be. What is going on, sir? How are you doing? Good morning, good morning. Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, I will certainly echo the sentiments expressed by Miss Vanessa, it is a saddened and grief-filled morning um, for those individuals in Dayton, Ohio, and El Paso, and even in California last week. So I know that's a topic that we will cover this morning, but I, too, was was charged and blessed last weekend to have an opportunity to meet and reacquaint myself with individuals I hadn't seen in some 30-some years. So hopefully they got their listening ears on and I thank all of the people that allow us each week, Brother Jay, to come into their households and be part of their lives. Absolutely, man. Well said, as always. My man, definitely going to have a few minutes to talk about uh, the festivities from last weekend. And once again, it was good to see everybody as well. The man who really runs everything around here, the one and only man, the man who gets the first and last word here on the serious side, the one and only Mr. L to the E to the S going on, sir? How are you doing this fine morning? Uh, good morning. Good morning, everyone. Just, you know, giving my sentiments exactly as everyone else with the uh, shootings, man. It's just getting to be outrageous, man. Um, just yeah. outrageous. Sad morning, and we're definitely going to spend a portion of the show talking about what's going on here, because we really and truly believe that this is not coincidental. Now, some people may argue that, uh, you know, we had the same thing happen under President Obama, but I'm here to tell you, this is going to a whole different level. The number is 347-850-1272. Smartest man in the world, Mr. Jerome Spree, usually joins us after his commitment on Clear Channel Radio. And, of course, after the second break, you'll get the uh, our social media director, Miss Jackie, will be in the house to tell you how to stay in contact with the show. 
show when the show's not live. Once again, 347-850-1272. Jump in the world famous chat room. I'm assuming it's open, or you can hang out on all the social media websites that we monitor throughout the show, and we'll make sure that your voice is heard. You can call in, 347-850-1272 and talk, or you can just hang out in the world famous chat room or post your comments on those social media pages that we monitor throughout the broadcast. And if it's good enough, if it's respectful enough, we will read them during the chatterbox section of the show, which happens in about two, about an hour and a half from now. But we have a lot to get into. Let me give, it, let me give you the rundown. It's pretty simple this morning. We're going to spend the majority of the show talking about what happened for the past 24 hours. Amazing. Two mass shootings in two separate places. Um, where are we with this? I mean, this is crazy. And we're going to spend the rest of the show talking about the debates. Had a very vivid and live debate session this past week amongst the Democrats. We'll talk about who won, who lost, and, boy, who's smart, who's dumb. Some of the things they did during that debate, people are saying, really? Scratching their heads. Once again, 347-850-1272. Let's get into the conversation. As you may have heard, uh, two mass shootings within the past 24 hours, 20 killed in Texas, and then we had overnight. You go to sleep, and you say, well, my God, you hate to see this. And then you wake up, and then nine more were, were killed at a separate location. And so now, you know, the first shooter, Looks like this guy put out a manifesto, and he talked about immigration. He talked about having separate American cities for, you know, immigrants and things of that nature. And so, quite frankly, the million-dollar question and the big elephant in the room is how much does the current occupant, uh, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, what role does he play in this? Because when you listen to this nonsense, it sounds like something straight from one of his campaign rallies or one of his tweets. Let me start with you, Mr. Elias. Should we be looking at the president saying, you're the reason why this stuff is happening? Is it fair? Trust me, we had, we had a lot under President Obama as well. What say you? Well, yes, we did. We definitely had a lot under President Obama. But look, man, look, the manifestos that are coming out with these and with their findings is two different things, man. You think about it right, you know, they, you know, it's just it's unbelievable how they you know, um, it, it's all race related, man. It is all race related. They're, 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 you know, they're going after people and using the same rhetoric that this clown is spewing out. And everything he's spewing out is hate, man. You know, everything he's spewing. When he went after Elijah Cummings, all this, all of that is hate, man. You know, Alabama. You know, all the rest of these, these, these. Uh, you know, West Virginia <laughs> is in, in way worse shape than than um, than, than Baltimore. Never said, but, but he, when he goes to West Virginia, the, the great state of West Virginia, why? It never goes after the, the, the counties that if he's going to be a true president for all people, he should be going after the county, all those counties that that are just as bad. But those counties, West Virginia, backs him, so he's not going to go after them. You know. And he's keeps going out all this. Hey, think about the guy that they just that they're going going on trial now. When after all this, the CNN peeps, the CNN, and the different people, uh, you know. And I, I I hate to say it, but this poor congresswoman, I I fear for their lives because he's spewing out hate for them. Elijah Cummings, I, I I my fat brother, I I fear for him because he's spewing out nothing but hate. Anytime you spew out the hate that you're giving, that's what you're gonna get in return, man. 
You know, it's interesting you say that. Now, I, I didn't look at it until when you started talking and you said you fear for their lives. Let, let, me, let me swing around to you, Vanessa. You, you know, one of the things that Michelle Obama said about President Trump is that she would never forgive him for the birther thing because he put her family in danger. She will never, ever forgive him for that. And Mr. Elias brought up a very good point. When you sit around and put this stuff out there, you have people who absorb this stuff and take it as the gospel. And so I can't understand how Republicans are sitting on their hands not saying anything about the dangerous rhetoric that this president is putting out there. What say you? Uh, you know what? A lot of stuff that he spews out there, I guess he, those are people who are not following the news or not reading the newspaper. And whatever it is that's coming out of Trump's mouth, they just take it as the Bible, as it being true. And I think Elias has said before, if you say it enough times, then people start to believe it. So Trump is not going to say anything to stop the, the, the gun violence because that's who is supporting him. His, his cabinet people or anyone else is not going to say anything because they're doing party over morals. So to me, people that are going, I don't care what color they are, if they are going to vote for Donald Trump knowing that he is assisting, not cost, he is assisting with all of these mass murders by going to these rallies and talking about it and laughing about it and not doing anything about it, to me, they are racist and they are equally guilty for putting a man back in office who is allowing this stuff to happen. So they are just as guilty. They're just as guilty by putting Trump back in office. I truly believe that because they know who he is now. They don't have to worry about his line or if he's rich or how much he knows because we know he's not as rich as he says because he keeps hiding his taxes. So it's not that. You can't say that your 401k is off the roof because it's not. So if you are allowing this man to say all of this stuff and do all of these things and you still vote for him, not only are you supporting a racist, but you are supporting a murderer. Just saying. Wow, those are terrible. You know, Johnny D, Vanessa brings up a good point when she talks about how we talked about this on the show, how at some point in time you have to look at the people who support this man and say, you know, at some point in time you have to say to yourself, you know, yeah, he may be good for my pocketbook if, you know, if that's the case, if you voted for him for that reason. But at some point in time you have to say to yourself, you have to do what's for the greater good. And, yeah, this is good for my pocketbook, but at the end of the day, this guy is horrible for our country. What he's doing on the national, uh, on the uh, international front, you know, these tariffs with China, you know, I mean, my God, I mean, this guy is systematically destroying this country. And for people who don't understand that this guy doesn't know what the hell he's doing and the fact that his dangerous rhetoric is creating these types of situations, how can you continue to even befriend folks who support this man? It's politics. It's hypocrisy. When we talk about Donald Trump is the ben- benefiting the, the wallet and, and the quality of life of Americans, you, you're probably talking about two or three percent of the Americans, the wealthy. Uh, as a, as a working class person, I haven't seen the benefits of it. Um, my, my 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 taxes uh, have have certainly 
diminished as far as the monthly on my paycheck. But, you know, I look at the end of the year, and I can't write anything off, so I haven't benefited at all. And I think the, the vast majority of, of the people in America will say the same thing. So he has only benefited the wealthy. But now let's talk about the, the atmosphere that he has created. Certainly he's not the one that's out there in, in, in hoods and, and, and camo and, you know, ballistic uh, armor and body armor. Uh, but he has created an atmosphere. And if you think about the course of of history, you have seen some of the, the most parallel great leaders, um, Marcus Aurelio, back in, in, in the Roman days, Marcus Aurelio was, was, was indicated that he wasn't a great soldier, but he was a great orator, so people followed his message. You know, you look at Winston Churchill, Winston Churchill wasn't a soldier, but he inspired people over the, the course of his time to get out there and, and, and find that resilience within themselves in order to defeat the, the, you know, Germany and Japan and, and assist America in, in, in the Great World Wars. And then you look at the rhetoric of Adolf Hitler, and when I studied the Third Reich, they talked about he was a subpar soldier, but look at how his oratory skills and his demeanor was able to, to captivate the young and the old in Germany to make them commit those atrocities upon the Jewish community and the world. And Donald Trump has created an atmosphere that has spawned even more of this negative and, and, and hideous sentiment that's in the bellies and the bowels of these nationalists. So he is he is a, a, a provocator. And, of course, being a criminal himself, he is simply just engaging in this type of rhetoric um, that is inspiring individuals. Uh, I, I, I reached out to a colleague in Ohio, and, you know, although there has not been a determination Last week's shooting in California was determined that, you know, there, there could be some domestic terrorism in there. And, of course, the one in El Paso, the manifesto that indicates that it's going to be some domestic terrorism, I would venture to say that when this Ohio scenario plays itself out, it will be the same. So we are all, we are all in a time in which if American politics does not clean up their, 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 their act and their desire to be self-serving, and we are all in trouble. And I know when we get to that topic, um, you know, one of the things that, that Donald Trump and, and, and some of the Republicans have been harping on, and, Jay, I know you, you, you sent some correspondence out. Now who does he blame? And, and you know, now, now the mirror is on like President Obama didn't, didn't do anything. So, yeah, there was some, there was some mass shootings. There have been mass shootings since the, since, since the 30s. You know, but the reality of it is, is you look at how often they have come and the and what's behind it. It's no longer that you can say, okay, you know, this guy was driven by mental health or he was abused. So, you know, when when you look at, um, you know, Sandy Hook and some of those other ones, there was a degree of mental illness in those elements. Now it's just simply hate, and that's the, the and that's the atmosphere that he's created. So he's got to own that. He's got to own that. 
that's a good point. When you think about the man that was the, the one cat that was sending out the bombs, uh, when they saw his van, he had nothing but Trump and Pence all over it. You know, you bring up a good point, Johnny D. The fact that we're looking at uh, these mass shootings, and you know, you think about what happened at the synagogue in Pittsburgh. I mean, what this guy is doing, the sentiment that he's creating, the atmosphere that he's creating, I should say, uh, it's dangerous. I even think back to the 2016 election, uh, Mr. Elias, when the one man, because of all the rumors that were out there, not only Donald Trump but his people, all the, all the rumors that were out there that you know Hillary Clinton was, you know, um, involved with some type of sex trade, and some guy went to a pizza parlor because that's what the conspiracy people said, looking to you know do damage. I mean, this stuff that's going on right now in this country is dangerous. Um, and you know, let me ask you a serious question because I can't believe I'm asking you this question in 2019 as a United States uh, citizen. But do you think we're on the cusp? And I'm serious about this, Mr. Elias. Do you think we're on the cusp of a race war? Most definitely. Most definitely. You think so? Yes, sir. A race war. I don't. Now, I don't. Know, we're talking black versus white. War. Yes. No, you do. You brown versus white. Call it brown versus white. Yes, I do. I do. Mm-hmm. Why, Mr. Elias? Why, yeah. why, why do you think that, man? Why the climate that we're in? You know, Trump Trump didn't create this atmosphere. He just brought it out. He, he exposed the, he he exposed the nasty underbelly of America that has been there since the beginning of time. So he he brought it out, and he's he's, he's living proof of what it is. They white folks. I'm telling you, when I was at work, and this white woman, I told her, I said, your parents are racist because if they told you if you date a black man. They'll disown you. You don't even know what kind of, this could be a, in the greatest guy that you could have ever date. But because of his skin color, they don't want you to date him. She says, my parents aren't racist. Bull, your parents are racist. If, if, any, if, if somebody don't want you to date there, there and they disown you, guess what? You're racist. And, and they make excuses up for it. So at some point in time, if you keep pushing people and keep push, pushing people, Things are going to explode, and trust me, we got a lot of black people that are not like our grandkids, our grandparents that will not take it. They will fight back, and I'm one of them. I don't care if you push me, I'm gonna fight back. I ain't gonna stand there and take it. If you walk out your, if you walk out one of your vehicles and you come at me, I'm gonna get you off me real quick. That's just how I feel about it. Don't, don't, don't. I'm not gonna come at you. As long as you don't come at me, I don't. I'm not gonna come at you. If you come at me, I'm going to protect myself. That's just the way I feel. 347-850-1272 is the call-in number. Uh, you listen to the Serious Out of the J. Ralph Show, which happens every Sunday morning right here on the TJRS Radio Network online radio. It's best. Let me ask you, Vanessa, the same question I asked Mr. Elias. Do you honestly think that we're on the cusp, on the cusp of a race war? Absolutely, because from what I understand, that young man said that he came to El Paso because he was against race mixing. So to me, he has a problem with, you know, the, I guess Hispanics, because that's mainly what's in El Paso, mixing with other races, I guess in marriage and love and friendship. All of this stuff stimulates from Trump. He just brought it out. He just said, oh, it's okay. Y'all go ahead. 
and, and, be, and do whatever y'all want to do because he feels like those votes are going to get him back in the office. I seriously think that if he doesn't change the rhetoric that he's putting out there, that it's just going to get worse and worse, and it's going to make you secure if you can go to Walmart. I mean, you can't even go to Walmart, Jay, because you're scared of somebody who's going to come from somewhere else is going to come and shoot you because he thinks that where you live, he doesn't know if you're dating a white man, black man, or what, but because you're there, he's going to shoot you. That is so sad and so ridiculous, but it happens, and it is happening. Did you hear him say, I think on your thing, when you opened up, or somebody was said three, three mass shootings in Texas, Jay. This is where we live since 2017. The governor is going to have to do something. Or I'm going to do everything I can. What can you do? I, I mean, there's nothing. The okay. governor is going hey, to have to swing around well, here. I, When I say that, Jay, I say because he needs to change the law in Texas. But Vanessa. Vanessa, but, but but here's the deal, and, and and let me go to you on this one, Johnny, and I'll give you the last word, but we'll, we're going to continue to have this conversation on the other side. When you look at the laws, right, it, it looks like by all signals that, you know, at least in the first shooting in El Paso, it looks like the guy purchased the, purchased the weapons uh, legally. And so, I mean, what laws you're going to – I forget the number, and I'm going to look it up during the break. How many guns we have in the United States versus how many people? And, and I mean, I, there's just no some, way you can't can reverse get an assault this. rifle, Jay. Jay but Vanessa, they're out there already. I, it, 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 but it's like saying it that. It would Okay, Vanessa, but usually criminals don't abide by the law. It doesn't really care. The law is in place for people like you and I. It doesn't matter. You know, I hear what you're saying, and I wish there was something that you could do. But, Johnny D., let me ask you this before we go to break. Do you honestly think that they can put in any type of gun legislation, laws, rules, whatever, that will, will, that will curb the violence with all the guns that are out there? No. Oh, um, and it and goes back to what you said, Jay, and I think you you, you responded um, most candid and, and with most sincerely. The reality of it is that laws are for the honest people. And if you look at the number of convicted felons who continue to commit crimes because they were able to come in possession of a, of, of a firearm, you look at the number of mental health individuals uh, who – who 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 um, are able to to possess weapons? It, it there is no law that that's going to deter the nigger. And that you know again that's 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 probably not as factual as as I would like to say. But I just in in, in my heart of hearts I don't see a, a particular law. Do I think there needs to be some regulations? I do. So I'm not saying that what we have is 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 good because it's clearly not working, but is it going to stop the right. mass shootings? No, I think this is going to become a normal part of American lifestyles. As sad as it is, it's like when you go to the Middle East, you know, you know, bombings uh, and, and car bombings, those things happen so often that it has become a, a, a central part of, of, of their lifestyles And I think what we have to do Is prepare ourselves um, You know I, I, I hear less and, and I know he and I have, have Talked and I've heard him say on the show 
that uh, we we both are, are are advocates of of um, the Second Amendment. So you know, be warned, be hooved, and 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 what have you. But as far as you know, any particular law that will stop it, it, it it's not going to happen. Uh, it is just too far ingrained in in the American culture, and, and that's the sad thing about it. You know, there's a uh, there was a study put out by the Washington Post and. Uh, June of 2018, about a year ago, uh, you know, said that there, there are 250, this is based on the latest census numbers, now obviously that has changed, there's 250 Americans in this country, there's 393 million guns, and there's just no way, As a matter of fact, that number's even changed, it's actually 326 million people in this country, and there are 393 million weapons. There's just no way I think you can do anything about this. You just have to continue to pray and hope that, uh, you know, your time's not up. Because I was at a uh, uh, at an outlet yesterday, and I was looking at all these people. And let me be honest with you, I didn't know anything about the shootings because I stayed away from the news yesterday because I was running around. But a thought crossed my mind when I was walking through this plaza. I said, my God, someone can come get take a gun and just shoot everybody in here. Then I get home. Turn on the TV and that's what happens. That's the mindset that we live in. You're looking around for suspicious folks because people will take the opportunity to, you know, race cleanse and do all these different things. Do I think there, that there's a race war? I don't think a race war is coming because my definition of a race war is people uh, are actually out running around like the Klan shooting people, and, and I just don't think it. I don't think – I like to think that our laws are in place – that will uh, we we have too many laws in place that will not get us to that point. I'm talking about a straight up '60s environment where it was okay, where people went to to, to court and yeah. went to jail, and they were you know they were let go. I mean, think about what happened with Mega Everest. Think about what happened with Emmett Till. I'm talking about situations like that where people get you know they get in trouble, they get arrested, but an all white jury you know uh, quits them. I don't think we're going to get to that point. But uh, but I tell you what, what happened. All right, Jay. Well, Mr. Elliott, I just got don't what, think what happened to the guy that killed Eric Garner. Right in front of right, right, Mr. Elliott, right I get that. I understand that, but 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 if you want to use, I tell you what, hold that thought. We'll, we'll use that as an example of what I mean when it comes to race wars. All right, three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. It's time for uh, something that you need to know in four minutes or less this week, and we're going to be talking about this later on in the show. The debate, immigration is on the forefront, and so people were going after President Obama's immigration policy and some other things that we'll talk about. But let's take a look at what. The vice president, the former vice president, Joe Biden, let's take a look at his immigration policy. So we'll talk about that in this week's edition of In Four Minutes or Less, something that you need to know. We'll be right back with this conversation and much, much more. You're listening to the serious side. We'll be right back after this. Welcome aboard. We'll be right back. People need to get in line. It's a common talking point in the debate over immigration. Both parties have used it. And it came up Wednesday night in the Democratic presidential debate when former Vice President Joe Biden said this. The fact of the matter is that, in fact, when people cross the border illegally, it is illegal to do it unless you're seeking asylum. People should have to get in line. That's the problem. Other candidates on the debate stage criticized him for saying that. To talk about whether the line actually exists and how people get in it, we're joined now by University of San Francisco law professor Bill Hing. Welcome. Thank you. What is the line that Biden is referring to? Well, I'm not sure what he's talking about because the truth is there is not a line. 
the immigration system is very, very categorized that you've got to have certain very close relatives to qualify. And incidentally, those relative categories are backlogged for many countries. And or you need to have a very special job skill. And only then can you apply for certain categories. So there's not a general line that somebody can sign up for. Well, let's break down some of the categories of people who are allowed to enter the country legally. There are waiting periods for green cards. There are waiting lists for immigrant visas. Would you consider those to be lines? Those are definitely lines, but you have to fall into one of the categories in order to sign up for that particular category. For example, spouses of U.S. citizens does not have a waiting list. So you can, uh, if you marry a U.S. citizen, you could conceivably sign up to immigrate. Uh, there is a wait list, for example, for siblings of U.S. citizens that's well over 20 years long for people from Mexico and the Philippines. So that line is kind of unachievable. For categories of people with special job skills, Silicon Valley engineers, the line is much shorter, but you have to have a special job skill. You've got to have a PhD or the employer has to go to bat for you and say that there's no one else in the country who the employer can find and so they need this immigrant. So it's a process before you can get in that line. What about to become a U.S. citizen? Is there a line to become a citizen? Definitely. After you've obtained lawful permanent resident status, you have to reside in the United States for five years. That's the general rule. Unless you're married to a citizen, it's only three years. Then you apply for naturalization, which is a process to become a U.S. citizen. And up until a couple of years ago, the wait list for naturalization was only a few months around the country. But given the priorities that have been changed within the Trump administration, the waiting period for naturalization is well over a year, and in some cases two to three years in certain parts of the country. And these are all distinct from the process of applying for asylum in the U.S. In, in that case, there actually is a line on the Mexico side of the border. People are assigned numbers, and they actually do slowly march to the front of the line over, over weeks or months, right? Exactly. The Trump administration imposed that line in partnership with the Mexican government. Uh, the, the Border Patrol has authorized the Mexican government to create lists that people sign up for. And I've seen this list in the, at the Tijuana station, and the migrants are very orderly. They put their name on. They dutifully show up at the border each day to see if their number is called. And unfortunately, those numbers are not moving very quickly. The backlog is, is, is several weeks, if not a couple months, at, at the El Paso border. Do you think there's a better metaphor, a better catchphrase than wait in line? I think the better way to state it is those of you coming for asylum should be provided due process. The other people that are not applying for asylum, well, let's figure out if the immigration system is broken. Are there different categories that we should create that reflect society and the global movement of people today? Uh, that's what we ought to be looking at. Bill Hing is a law professor at the University of San Francisco and author of American Presidents, Deportation, and Human Rights Violations. Thanks a lot. You're very welcome.
Welcome back in. 347-850-1272 as we continue the conversation about the two mass shootings that happened uh, over, uh, matter of fact, yesterday. Um, that happened uh, 20 dead, 9 dead, 29 people total killed in, in the span of 24 hours. I just think today is President Obama's birthday. Well, I'm pretty sure he hasn't. Uh, that's not something that he wanted to address on his birthday. Matter of fact, by the way, he hasn't uh, responded. Have, listen, is it me or Mr. Elias? Every time something happens, the first place I go is to President Obama's Twitter feed. I mean, he's no longer the, the commander in chief, but you know his words are soothing, and you know a lot of people still look to him as you know hashtag my president. Is, do you really right. think he's obligated to? To, to respond to, to stuff like this? I mean, because I'm looking. He hasn't said anything yet. And I know one time there was a situation, and he hadn't responded, like, within the first 24 hours. And I said, well, where you at, President Obama? And, you know, and usually he's kind of on top of stuff like this. I wonder if his advisors are talking to him and saying, hey, you know what, let the real president do this, and you can come and make a comment later. I mean, do you think he's do – you, do you really believe he's obligated to, to – uh, respond to things like this, especially with the way this environment is when it comes to our nation? Well, is he obligated as a human being? Yes. But as as a moral, as a leader, yes. Because, you know, we have no leader. We have, we have, we have no one to lead us. <laughs> you know, let's just call it what it is. This, this, this guy, the guy in the White House, I, I have never called him my president. Never, and I've never—you never heard me refer to him as uh, president, such and such. I never will call him that because I call him what he is. He's a—he's a traitor, and him and, and Moscow Mitch. So, here's what it is, man. Nope. But you know, what about we're, you, we're talking you about it this morning. Go ahead, go ahead, Mr. Elias. We're talking you were about through. it. Go ahead. We're, we're talking about it this morning, you know, because it's on a—it's a new—it's on a news cycle. I think. Every every American has 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 the duty to talk about these things, man. Because it, it might not be you this time, but it could be you the next time. Okay. What about you, Johnny? You you think that um, you know as uh, really people look at him as as the uh, look at him really as the leader of this country, even though he's no longer in office. I think he's obligated, man, to make comments because that's where I go. First place I go is to President. O- President Obama's Twitter feed. You know, if, if a different circumstance, I think that he would probably be more vocal. But the reality of it is that, as we all know, the protocols aren't there. Once you leave office, then you you, you let the reigning president uh, make decisions without the, the, the scuttlebuck of having to be in competition. Now, the downside to it is right. that we currently have no president. So since we have no president, then I think any of them, uh, whether it be Jimmy Carter, Bill Clinton, or George Bush, and, and, and President Obama, can still speak to the American people because we don't have proper leadership uh, at, at, at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Is he under any moral obligation? I think as a decent person that, that he appeared to be, I think that he would very much like to, but he also understands the dynamics of it. That would just simply fuel uh, this guy, this criminal uh, in Washington. That would fuel him and his base because now he's back in competition and he and now he has a target. You know, you got to remove the faces from him because 
that's how you neutralize them. So I think I think President Obama is doing the right thing by standing down and being real subtle with the few commentaries that he makes. It's sad with this day and time, but I think he also understands the big picture. And the big picture is that the more he says, the more enlightened this guy will be to getting another four years. Interesting. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. What about you, Vanessa? Same question. You think he's? Uh, I know he's not obligated. Well, he's not obligated because he's no longer in office. But I'm here to tell you now. He responds to everything else. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Sometimes he responds, you know, you know, within a reasonable amount of time. But I do remember one situation where I was looking. I'm like, he hasn't responded. And he finally responded a couple of days later. But he has definitely responded to anything that's happened. Uh, any major event that's happened in this country, do you think because of the current environment that he really and truly needs to be more proactive? Because everybody has a role to play. And I'm pretty sure President Obama understands his role. 97% approval rating with Democrats, you know, 67% overall uh, approval rating. Uh, come on. Is he obligated? Should he be obligated or feel obligated to make a comment when things like this happen? A lot of times um, I've noticed that he tweets. He'll tweet um, a message of condolences or of praise for teens or whatever's going right. on. He will tweet or Michelle will tweet something. Should he call a conference? No, that's not his position to do that, that he can't do that. But he gets it out his own way. He does say something. I, have, I haven't had time to... To go in and see what he's tweeting because I don't have my phone bleeping when he tweets. Uh, he, he's not. He didn't put anything out. I'm looking at it now. He has nothing out there, and he's I know he doesn't do press conferences. See. No. But but he's waiting to see if the president of the United States is going to do a press conference before he say anything. Well, he, he's he, trying he, to give this. No, no, he usually doesn't do. No, no, Vanessa, he usually doesn't do a press conference. The only press conference President Obama I really did was not, during I'm the 20th. Okay. Okay. I'm saying. President Obama is waiting for President Trump. If I said it wrong, forgive me. President Obama is waiting on President Trump to be presidential and get on TV and do a live something, you know, of condolences. Then maybe he will tweet, but Obama shouldn't tweet or say anything first. Give this idiot an opportunity to be presidential, even though we know he can't. So I don't think Obama can say anything until he gives Trump an opportunity. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, Trump has already responded. Trump has already responded. I, I just yeah. think that when you look at, you know, he has. Yeah, he's responded. He, for Trump has already responded. Okay, did he tweet or was he live? Because my TV sitting here live on. Well, it's a tweet, but. I don't want a tweet. Yeah, it's a tweet. Nobody want a tweet. Nobody want to tweet. Okay. He's so stupid. Wow. Okay. Uh, and the views and opinions. Well, listen, uh, here's the deal when it comes to this type of stuff. You know, the bottom line is is that, uh, you know, this president has to feel sometimes. You know what? No, he doesn't. He doesn't at all. Let me bring in the smartest man in the world, Mr. Jerome Esprit from EspritRadio.net, and the man who brings us on a weekly basis, on the need-to-know basis. Good morning, Jerome. How you doing? So let's talk about the yeah, president of the United States. My bad. How you doing, kid? <laughs> oh, there he is. Hey, what's going on, Jerome? What's hey, Jerome, on? Hey, listen, your we're, president we're, is yeah, tweeting so. a condolence. 
<laughs> so no. we're, we're talking about we're, we're talking about the, the the mass shootings in the past 24 hours that has happened in this country. We talked about how the conversation continues about 20 of the people who were killed. The man who killed 20 people. Uh, that person has a manifesto out there talking about immigrants and how countries, you know, how people should be in certain different cities. You know, this reminds me of the pipe bomber dude who had the van and had Pence and Trump written all over it. When will his president take responsibility and admit that his nonsense and the rhetoric that he puts out there, Jerome, is dangerous and is putting people's lives in jeopardy? Was that a rhetorical question? You think that he has any kind of self awareness <laughs> that he's gonna reevaluate what he's been doing? Like I, that, yeah, you're right. I don't know. Like, you see, this is the thing with him. It's like every time something happens, everybody gives him a chance to redeem himself. He is not redeemable. Like under no circumstances can he do or say anything at this moment to prove that he is not a white supremacist. Forget nationalist. Forget that he's racist. We need to start calling this what it is. And that whole systemic culture that sits in in the pathology of some of those people is that they believe that they have an inherent right for fairness. They have an inherent right to tell you what to do. And all of their opinions need to be taken into consideration before anybody else's feelings, emotions, or situations are even considered. Right? So even for uh, LES earlier, just saying that, um, you know, they're looking at race war stuff. They have been doing that for eons. And and every time they creep their butts closer to it, the Mitch McConnells of the world and all of them, we keep saying, oh, this is politics as usual and it's partisan. That ain't partisan. You need to see with that for what it is and call it what it is. Everybody not, needs to stop being scared. This is not a time for that, right? Because what's going to happen is that as they're escalating, everybody keeps asking why. I mean, they should have asked white after Sandy Hook. Again, if you're going to go kill a bunch of second graders, then technically white folks ain't concerned about nobody dying. Uh-huh. So they'll put gun law changes because if they can't do it for elementary school kids and, and elementary school white kids, they are not concerned. So anytime anybody else gets killed, they're just like, well, now it's not the time. Well, that's running the ground because you can't never say that anymore. They got the Columbine, or not Columbine, but the... Um, the um, folks in Florida, like from that mass shooting, them people still on TV, so they call them first. And they're like, why are you talking about new mass shooting and telling us that now's not the time to react? I'm talking about the one that happened in Florida. How much time has to pass before you react? So, you know, and, and by the way, you, that, you know, that number from the Washington Post that only 3% of the country owns all of the... 340 million or how many million guns out there. They say 9 million, yeah. mm-hmm. 9 million people own 170 million guns, and that's nearly 10 guns per person in this country. Wow. That's unbelievable. The, the, those numbers, when you listen to those, those numbers are staggering. You know, we talk about what this president does, and, and, and you know, we and talk about people. how a lot of mass shootings people. happened under President Obama. But but listen, you know, in the top ten, when you go back and look at the top ten mass shootings in this country, four of them happened on the watch of this man that's in the, in, in the, in the, in the current occupant in the White House. And we can sit here and say what we want to say about all the mass shootings, because there were a lot under President Obama. There's no doubt about that. But when you look at the, the – Johnny D., when you look at the, the, the temperature – 
You think about the volatile environment that he's creating. You can't help but think that this man is contributing to this because if he's providing cover for the Klan's people to come out and support them. I saw something on Facebook the other day. Somebody was recording, driving through a city, and there were a whole bunch of people saying, you know, President Trump 2020, KKK approved. And the person in the car that was recording it said, wow, look at this on an American in an American city on an American street. So Johnny D, he can't sit here and think that all the nonsense that he's putting out there, at least he does. Jerome's right about this. Let me back up. The Republican Party, where are they? Why aren't the Republicans, Johnny, saying, look, you need to stop this nonsense because what you're doing is harmful for this nation. Now, what I hear, they bitch and complain behind closed doors, but when you put a camera in front of them, you know, Oh, well, the president's not really racist. He's just trying. I mean, it's amazing how these people are falling in line with this man. And what they don't know is that they're providing cover for these people, these these racists, to, to come out and say, hey, told you, this is our country, which it really isn't. It belongs to the Indians. But, you know, I digress. Go ahead, Johnny, your thoughts. I will agree with you. Uh, it's, it's politics. That's how they're able to stand down and, and feel like they've got some moral authority to do so because – they want to pretend that they're, they're, they're looking out for their constituents. Uh, one of the things that, that and, and I'm kind of off subject, but at the same time, it's, it's one of those abstract uh, points. Um, you know, as, as, as I do speaking engagements and go out, and um, particularly to the schools, the classrooms are becoming lighter, okay? Um, there is a lot of biracial young men and women and children that are now filling up our school systems, at least the ones that's not segregated based off of charter school and zip codes and things of that nature. But one of the things that's encouraging is that I just don't think that the average person who lives in America um, shares those type of sentiments. So in, in essence, I, I, I think that he's a vile, disgusting person who created an atmosphere but is it down to the grassroots where every person that you see, you have to look at them in a certain manner? I don't think so. Yesterday, um, I was sitting there and, you know, uh, at, at, at one of these uh, basketball camps, and, and I'm just looking at an, an elderly Caucasian couple. And, you know, the gentleman sitting there, he's got his flannel shirt on. He probably was mid-60s. And the point that, that and I'm, I'm, I'm going to make here is this here. Then I saw his grandbabies, okay? One of them was probably two years old and biracial child, and then, of course, the other one was probably uh, 10 or 11. And I'm sitting there watching this gentleman who normally or, or who probably in the past would have been quite uncomfortable with, with the relationships, but I'm looking at how he's embracing these two little kids, Okay. And I see that more than I see the tone and the atmosphere that, that, that this criminal is creating. And then um, Mitch McConnell, and, and I, I, I'll be honest, I think they stumped him with that Moscow Mitch. Uh, he seems to quit running that yeah. mouth instead. But the reality hey, is Yeah, Joe is, Scarborough. I gave him that nickname. Oh, I, oh, I tell you what, he, he, backed him, he backed him up on that one. But I'm not, I'm not – I don't see America uh, – the general population in America as, as being as, as as racist and inflammatory. I think he is he's honed in on a small pocket of individuals who want to sit around and play the victim and victim they're not. And this is their way of, of setting back indicating that okay now we've got some support 
to act a fool and act a radical. But I think most people, most people are most helpful to one another and courteous to one another and respectful of one another. Yeah. And again, just, you know, we, we all out there, man. We, we, we you know, we, we out there, we active in the community. And you look at America, America is, is, is getting lighter. I mean, so the biracial mix is, is there. Um, and, and people have began to accept that, at least the, the average person that I see. But this guy has clearly created an atmosphere. But to get back to your, your, your point, Jay, the reason why the Republicans are doing nothing simply because it's politics. Wow. That's a shame. That is a dang old shame. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. As I mentioned, today is President Obama's birthday, and uh, there is an op-ed with Newsweek. Um, let me read it to you. It says a vocal supporter of President Donald Trump, who has since flipped his views, wrote an apology on President Barack Obama's 59th birthday this Sunday for hate he directed at the former commander in chief when he believed Trump's acquis- uh, ac- uh, ac- <coughs> excuse me acquisitions were had racist tendencies. Excuse me. <clears throat> Excuse me. God, I need some water. He says, August fourth is the president of Pre- is the birthday of President Barack Obama. I thought long and hard. What could I give the forty fourth president of the United States as a birthday present? Wrote the former Trump supporter, David Washman. Wiseman, I should say, in a blog published for the Times of Israel. He said, if I had an option, I would give him a sincere apology for the hate I gave him when I was a conservative over the years during his presidency. This guy is an army veteran. Who stopped backing Trump in early 2018 wrote that he was foolish and closed-minded not to question the, demonize, the demonization of Obama on Fox News and other conservative media outlooks. Since day one, when Barack Obama announced his presidency, there was not a now there was a not so good feeling in my stomach of the thought of him being a black man and being the president of the United States of America. He goes on to write, here and I wrap it up here real real quick. He says, he admitted in Newsweek, I realized in this transition that I did have racist tendencies, same with immigrants and Muslims. He said he attributed his past racist tendencies to conservatism and listening to conservative talking points. There you go. That's what's going on in this country. All right, coming up next, uh, we're going to talk about the debates. Uh, Texas, we see you. We'll get you on the air next. You're listening to the serious side of the J. Rouse Show. We'll be right back after this. It is the best Sunday morning online radio show, period. Hi, I'm Jay, the host of the serious side of the TGRS, and I'm asking you to come join me and my friends for some serious conversation before you go to church. It's the serious side of the TGRS. Happens every Sunday morning, 9 a.m. Central Standard Time, right here on the BTR Radio Network.
Is this poetry? He wrote it for me. Whenever we're alone, time's staying still. And when we do the dance, I'm like buddy in his hands. He really knocks me off the feet. He didn't. He didn't. I was watching the so-called debate last night. And I also watched the night before. That was long, long television. And the Democrats spent more time attacking Barack Obama than they did attacking me, practically. So, Jonathan Lemire, that's... Welcome back in, 347-850-1272. That was President uh, Trump talking about the Democratic debates. We'll get into that conversation next. But as always, it's time to say good morning to the peeps. Also, it's time to say good morning to our panelists. To say good morning to the very lovely Vanessa May Belly from the Mackinac. Good morning, Vanessa. How are you? Good morning. How's everybody? Doing outstanding. The educated rapper, I call him the educated brother in the house. The one and only Johnny D's in the house. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning. Doing well. Blessed to be here. And uh, again, just stimulated by the conversation. Thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. Best best stimulation in the world. Well, anyway. All right. So uh, the smartest man in the world, Mr. Jerome is breezing the house. What's up, Jerome? How you doing, brother? I'm good, brother. How you doing? 
you on Outstanding. Can't wait to hear what you have planned in store for us later on in about, uh, about a half an hour or so. The man who gets the first and last word here on the serious side, the one and only Mr. L to the E to the S. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning, sir. Good morning, good morning. And uh, before you say anything, Jay, i just like to let Mariana and the music know that was Mr. Mahogany by LaRae Starr before she texts in and asks who was that. <laughs> she already has. <laughs> Look at you. Okay. Look, you're looking out. All right. Mr. Williams, who, who, who's in the chat room? Can we say hello to the peeps out there? Most wow. definitely. Of course, Covina Man was in there, but, you know, it's bike riding time for him. We got uh, there you go. Boy, Get it in, brother. Get it in. Easy Rider, of course, and Culture House in there. And, of course, Culture yeah. House was happening. Good stuff. Guess what's up? Easy, what's happening? Boba Wright, what's happening? Let me say good morning to the pastor. He's in the house. Marianna Music's in the house. Mickey is in the house from Baton Rouge. Uh, well, some comments from Mickey. We're going to read those during Chatterbox. Also, Steph's in the house. What's going on, Stephanie? How you be? Billy. Billy, that's a... Is that short for William? That's, that's a... <laughs> I'm just laughing at his name. Billy, what's going on? How you doing, Tom? Some real just down-home names. Tom's in the house. Jim's in the house. What's going on, Robert? Uh, what's happening, fellas? Glad you guys are here. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. Let's say good morning to our director of social media, Miss Jackie, in the place to be. Jackie, good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. How's everybody doing? Good morning. Good morning. Outstanding. All right, Jackie. Good morning. Tell people how they can stay in contact with this show when this show's not live. Well, first of all, definitely let me offer my prayers going out to the victims of the shootings that took place. Definitely you are in my prayers. Um, if you Absolutely. would like more info about the TJRS Radio Network, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and all three pages have the same ending handle. Facebook.com slash group, Twitter.com, Instagram.com slash TJRS Radio. And, of course, to remind you, the 10th, count them, 10th anniversary of the TJRS Radio Network is upon us. Dates are set. Yep. Please tune in to the show coming up Wednesday August the 21st, giving you the U.S. times, 5.30 p.m. Pacific time, 6.30 p.m. Mountain time, 7.30 p.m. Central time, 8.30 p.m. Eastern time, and, of course, Saturday, August the 21st, U.S. times, 3 p.m. Pacific time, 4 p.m. Mountain time, 5 p.m. Central time, and 6 p.m. Eastern time. You want to be a part of those shows Definitely, if you have uh, uh, J. Riles or Ms. Elias personal information, you can contact them, or you can email us, seriousside at outlook.com. Once again, seriousside at outlook.com. Keep up with me. Jackie, I have some pent-up frustration. Y'all need to tune in. Cause I, I'm coming after you. I'm just going to announce it right here. I, you've been messing with me all year. I can't wait to the show. Show, show us. No, I'm just joking with you. Thank you so much, Jackie, for all you do for us. We love you to death. Love you, love you, love you. Can't love do you it without you. You're just the best. You're just love absolutely you the best. Love you all. All right, three four seven eight five zero one two seven. So let's get before we get into the conversation. We got a phone call, Mister Larry. Should we take that call now or should we wait? What do you want to do? 
right. Still there's no more to do anything. All right. So I tell you what, let's just go ahead and, and take the call. All right, three four seven eight five oh one two seven two. It looks like it's yeah, a Jalil. Good morning, Jalil. Welcome phone. into the series side. Where you calling from? July, okay, I'm sorry. Hi. July, what's going on, man? Good morning. What's up? What's up, homie? Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you loud and clear. What's happening? Cool, cool. I had to I had to change my Bluetooth from when I uh when I called in. What's up, homie? This is your homie, July. Kenneth Dodd. Oh, my God. What's happening, man? From the 219. From the 219. 17 in the house. What's happening, brother? Where you been? <laughs> oh, man. Living this thing called life down here in Texas. There you go. Can't go to Walmart. Can't go to Walmart no more. What's up with can't that? What's happening, brother? What's on your mind this morning? Oh, same old thing, man. I was um, calling in to make a comment. Well, now it's a couple of comments because y'all moved along a little bit. But uh, I wanted okay. to make a comment about uh, my man Donald Trump. I think the last time me okay. and you had a conversation, actually, Obama was still in office. I want to say this is like during the middle of his sure. second term. But the thing about Trump yes, is this that people don't get is I like to call Trump the Manchurian candidate of the Republican Party. And the reason why I call him that is that everybody knows he's a buffoon. All the Republican knows he's a buffoon. But they're using him and his show to distract everybody from what they're doing in the background. They'll take this short-term loss with Donald Trump, whether he gets another four years or not, because in the background, they've set themselves up for political dominance over the next 10 to 15 years. They've stacked the courts with sure. Republicans, and the courts are the yep. ones who actually yep. make decisions on some of these discriminatory policies that you see popping up around the country. You know, that is irrespective of who yep. is in the White House, and people are missing that. And the second thing about our boy uh, John Biden, Joe Biden, right? Is, and I've heard it a couple of places, I've read it a couple of places, but this is something that a lot of people are not really paying attention to. If Obama is your boy, how come he's not your number one cheerleader? You see what I'm saying? You know, if, yeah. if you're the front runner and Democrats are looking to you to lead the party, why is the last most popular leader from that particular side in the last, what, three or four presidencies? Why is he not your number one cheerleader? Why is he not endorsing you and pushing you over? He could end this whole primary mess with one speech. But he's not doing that because there's something that about that that I think that Obama don't want to get involved with Biden like that. He don't want to tie his legacy to Biden like that. That's all. Interesting. All right, brother. Well, hey, man, it's always good to hear from you. Stay in the house, man. Don't be a stranger, man. You know, you're my boy. I love you to death, man. You are the man. Appreciate you for calling in and continuing to support the serious side of the J. Rouse Show. 347-850-1272. All right, listen, we had a debate this past week, everything that happened. We had a debate last week, and let me tell you, it was some punches and some stuff being thrown around. It was amazing. The following day, a lot of political pundits, including Republicans, were scratching their heads saying, what happened? It seems to me that everybody was talking about President Obama and his legacy. Joe Biden came out the next day. Even though he had a better performance, he was still a little shaky. But he came out the next day, and he supported the Obama presidency. Let's take a listen. 
I must tell you, I was a little surprised at how much their incoming was uh, about Barack, uh, about the president. I mean, uh, I, uh, I, I'm proud of Evan Serve with him. I'm proud of the job he did. Uh, I don't think there's anything he has to apologize for. And uh, I think, uh, you know, it kind of surprised me uh, the degree of the criticism. And he focused on immigration. And what he did was serious. The idea that somehow it's com comparable to what this guy's doing is absolutely bizarre. There's nothing moderate about what Barack did in Obamacare. Nothing. He covered 100 million people who had pre-existing conditions. He allowed kids to stay in their parents' policies until they're 26 years old. He covered 20 million more people. I hope the next debate we can talk about how we fix our answers to fix the things that Trump has broken, not how Barack Obama made all these mistakes. He didn't. He didn't. One of the people on the debate stage that was giving Barack, Barack Obama the business and going back and forth with his former vice president was, you know who, Kamala Harris. But I tell you what, when the incoming came to her, she was a little bit testy. She got the angry black woman thing a lot of people wrote on Twitter. Let's listen. President, Vice President Biden's policies um, on race, specifically on the issue of busing in the 1970s, having benefited from busing uh, when you were uh, a young child. Vice President Biden says that your current position on busing, you're opposed to federally mandated busing, that that position is the same as his position. Is he right? That is simply false. And let's be very clear about this. When Vice President Biden was in the United States Senate working with segregationists to oppose busing, which was the vehicle by which we would integrate America's public schools, had I been in the United States Senate at that time, I would have been completely on the other side of the aisle. And let's be clear about this. Had those segregationists their way, I would not be a member of the United States Senate, Cory Booker would not be a member of the United States Senate, and Barack Obama would not have been in the position to nominate him to the title he now holds. Congresswoman Gabbard, Congresswoman Gabbard, you took issue with Senator Harris confronting Vice President Biden at the last debate. You called it a, quote, false accusation that Joe Biden is a racist. What's your response? I want to bring the conversation back to the broken criminal justice system that is disproportionately negatively impacting black and brown people all across this country today. Now, Senator Harris says she's proud of her record as a prosecutor and that she'll be a prosecutor president, but I'm deeply concerned about this record. There are too many examples to cite, but she put over 1,500 people in jail for marijuana violations and then laughed about it when she was asked if she ever smoked marijuana. She blocked evidence. She blocked evidence that would have freed an innocent man from death row until the courts forced her to do so. She kept people in prison beyond their sentences to use them as cheap labor for the state of California. And she fought to keep cash you, bail system in place that impacts poor people in the worst kind of way. Thank you, Congresswoman. Uh, Senator Harris, your response. As the elected Attorney General of California, I did the work of significantly reforming the criminal justice system of a state of 40 million people, which became a national model for the work that needs to be done. And I am proud of that work. And I am proud of making a decision to not just give fancy speeches or be in a legislative body and give speeches on the floor, but actually doing the work 
of being in the position to use the power I had to reform a system that is badly in need of reform. That is why we created initiatives that were about reentering former offenders and getting them counseling. Thank it is you. why, and because I know that criminal justice Thank system you, is Senator. so broken, that I am an advocate for what Thank we you, need Senator. to do to your, not your only decriminalize but legalize marijuana in the United States. I want to, I want to bring uh, Congresswoman uh, Gabbard back in. You're responsible. The bottom line is, Senator Harris, when you were in a position to make a difference and an impact in these people's lives, you did not. And worse yet, in the case of those who were on death row, innocent people, you actually blocked evidence from being revealed that would have freed them until you were forced to do so. There is no excuse for that. And the people who suffered under your reign as prosecutor, you owe them an apology. Senator Harris. My entire career, I have been opposed, personally opposed to the death penalty, and that has never changed. And I dare anybody who is in a position to make that decision, to face the people I have faced, to say, I will not seek the death penalty. That is my background. That is my work. I am proud of it. I think you can judge people by when they are under fire, and it's not about some fancy opinion on a stage, but when they're in the position to actually make a decision, what do they do? When I was in the position of having to decide whether or not to seek a death penalty on cases I prosecuted, I made a very difficult decision that was not popular to not seek the death penalty. History shows that, and I am proud of those decisions. Senator Harris, thank you very much. <laughs> Woo, boy, so it's a little testy. And when the incoming rounds were coming at her, her response was like, they, they, boy, she got shook, boy. Like they said, Mike, like what did Mike Tyson say, Mr. Elias? Everybody has a plan until they get hit. And she got hit, and, and boy, she was staggered. And until they get hit. <laughs> That's a great Mike Tyson impression, Mr. Elias. God bless you. All right, Vanessa, let me get your comments on this real quick. I know you have to go. What do you think about that debate and that whole exchange between uh, the congresswoman from Hawaii and Senator Harris? And, you know, all of a sudden she finds herself on the end taking those damn, uh, those damn licks. What say you? I'll be on for about another 15 minutes because I'm on my way to church, guys. But you know what? I just I, I was screaming <laughs> when she did that to her because you know what? She did it to Biden and threw him off guard. Mm-hmm. He wasn't prepared. They threw her butt in the ringer, Gabby, and, and got her off her guard. And I think that that lady was just put there just to get some of Kamala Harris's vote, just to get get that out there because I wouldn't have never known that about that lady. And for her to have laugh after she put people in jail for doing something she did, and the state is now paying this person off that should have been released because she held the information back. I'm like, what kind of person is she? So she brought a different light to it to me. I'm like, whoa. So I have a different thought about Miss Sister Harris right about now. I really do. I have different thoughts about her. Well, you know, well, you know, it's interesting that you say that, and, you know, because, you know, Jerome, we talked about this after this first debate, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, she came out, went out to the vice president. A lot of Democrats didn't like that. Um, and even so, this last debate, what do you think, what did you think about people going after the Obama administration I mean, in this record, man? What, what, do you, what did you think about that? I was curious when I was watching this, what was going through your mind as you watched the debate? Uh, Jerome, he missed a call on this line. Let's bring Jerome. Jerome, is this you? Jerome? Yeah. Yeah, sir. Okay. I'm here. 
I said I, I thought okay, Democrats were stupid. That was my thought while I watched them. Wow. <laughs> really? Right. There's no what. There's no other way you can put this. Right. So, you know, when you start having arguments, it's like watching um, Black Hillary or listening to her answer that question. I'm gonna tell you, she never still answered the question. There was hard decisions that that was gonna that had to be made, and I'm gonna make them. Well, that's not doing anybody any good. So, not only did she look bad on the very first um, debate, she looked worse on this one. So, everybody kept saying, and again, the reason I call her Black Hillary is because it was all the, you know, feminists and whoever who was the Hillary, Hillary people were backing her. They kept saying yeah. she looked strong, and as a woman, she looked like she can prosecute um, Trump and blah, blah, blah. That is nonsense. And that, and that is not what you need in a leader I- anyway. So they were creating a false narrative around her, like she was a champion for people. Like the majority of Democrats, um, generally, she does not represent them. So she's morphing herself into something that is palatable. But you're asking people to believe something that she can't even hold. A, she can't even create a narrative to sustain it long enough. So for her taking a shot at Joe Biden, we we know who Joe Biden is. Like whether you like him or not, or agree with him 100% or not, his polling stays pretty stable because we at least already know that, right? Everybody, you know, I'm not going to bash him, but I am saying, when you start talking about alternatives to that, you know, people hyping up little wonder kid Buddha judge and all of that nonsense, the same thing they did to Ryan when he was on the Republican side. It was like, he's young, he's fresh, he came in. Paul Ryan was a disaster as he was there. Buttigieg is a disaster in Indiana right now. We look at the base, man, and we think that they're doggone um, reality shows. That by the end of time, you know, like, what's that show, Murder, She Wrote? You're like, like, Angela Lansbury going to figure it out right at the end, like about 20 minutes into this piece. (laughs) Right? You ain't going to ever watch no debate that's going to tell you who's equipped to be there. The only thing that we know is that Joe Biden co-piloted doing the successful term of Obama. So why they were taking a shot at Obama? Because they were trying to take a shot at Biden. That's why they did it, which shows that they're stupid. Right? So none of us 100% agree with, uh, with Obama, but I can tell you this. I can tell you 100% of us don't agree with, with Trump. <laughs> You're in line I like that number. That's some good numbers, right? Those are some good numbers, right there, Jerome. You are yes. absolutely correct about that. You know, and, and a lot of conservatives the next day, conservatives were saying, "What are y'all doing? This guy, Johnny D, has a 97 percent approval rating amongst Democrats, a 68 percent overall uh, approval rating with the American people. He is the most admired man in the country. Michelle Obama is the most admired woman in the country." Eric Holder, like, what the heck are y'all doing? You better think twice because you're going after the Messiah of the Democratic Party. And the next day, Johnny, you notice a lot of them started walking it back a little bit. You notice that, huh? And we weren't talking about President Obama. He's the greatest president of all time. You know, Cory Booker, hey, if he was still president, if he was still president, I wouldn't be running for president right now. Come on, man. Johnny D., what say you? <laughs> Jay, you are a great impressionist, man. <laughs> I still think you do the Miss McConnell better than the Cory Booker, but, you, but that, that, that was pretty good. Uh, you know what it boils down to? It's, it's just simple, self-serving 
individuals who call themselves politicians. They will do and say whatever it is at that moment was convenient and beneficial to them. When you think about Kamala Harris, I remember the first time ever seeing this young lady and she was standing locked arms. Well, when I say locked arms for those individuals who are going to try to make something out of it, I'm not talking about in, 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 in romantic admiration. But when I first saw her, she was with President Obama, and President Obama was propping her up as she became the attorney general for the state of, of California. So she has to understand that when you come at Joe Biden, his whole legacy is built upon 42 years, 42-plus years of service. But the most admired time of, of Joe Biden's uh, political career was the eight years that he served as, as, as the right-hand person to arguably the, the most honorable president in the history of America, which was Barack Obama. That's going to always, to me, be his claim to fame and his legacy. But at the same time, he can't sit back and just depend on that. You know, these, these, these individuals here are seeking one thing. They're seeking an opportunity to put themselves on the forefront against Donald Trump. No one would have ever imagined Donald Trump in 2015 and in 2016 until that final day in November becoming the president of the United States. So I think, you know, subliminally, they're sitting back admiring the fact of, okay, you know what? There's no way anybody would have ever envisioned that. So who am I to say that I can't be that person? If you stare up enough foolishness and enough theatrics and tell enough lies, then all of a sudden you put yourself on the front forefront. I thought there was a several individuals who did themselves um, a great job. I thought uh, Tulsi Gattis did. I thought Michael Bennett was okay. The uh, the, the governor out of Seattle, uh, he was strong on some points. Um, Michael Yang, uh, to be quite honest, which Andrew yep. Yang was, was surprisingly interesting to me. Uh, Castro, uh, I, I was I was a little little little. In the middle on Castro, I know Jay, you had indicated he had done well, but he, he just seems to be a staunch politician. Uh, I think long term he, he would serve well in a capacity, but I think every time that Kamala Harris goes on the debate stage and puts herself in front of the camera, she lessens her opportunity to to have a long term impact on American politics, whether that would have been uh, as Attorney General or uh, as a Vice President. I just don't think that America's appetite is to see uh, a, a African-American female as president. And I think Donald Trump and his base in the Republican Party would set back and welcome that. You know, they talk about why he hasn't gone after her. It's not that he's scared of her. He's waiting to call her a name. But what he wants to do is put her in the square <laughs> because he understands all he got to do is stand up there with that red tie or that blue tie and his whiteness. And he's going to, he's going to overwhelmingly defeat her. So, you know, again, she didn't she didn't respond well to the questions. Uh, and then after after the the uh, the debate, I thought she was even more condemning to uh, Tulsi Gaddis in regards to what she said about her. You know, talking about the ratings, where she uh, zero one percent, and I mean, just almost dismissed. Oh, is that what she said? And that's just the arrogance of people. Oh yes, oh she went there, she went there. Yeah, she wow. went there. Um, I can't. I can't remember because wow. I was kind of toggling between. 
CNN and MSNBC, but she made the comment that, you know, you know, people who are at zero or one percent uh, of, of the vote, you know, how they have to just kind of do something in order to make themselves uh, marketable. So, yeah, go go back and look at it. She, she, she went there. She went there. did say that. Yeah, she went there. Is that not what she did during yeah. the first debate? Oh, my God. Wow. Isn't that called yeah, to kill the black? indeed. Wow. Yeah, she went there. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. No, it shows that wow, she wow, wow. do anything. She's kind of opportunist of the moment is what she's looking like. Oh, so, my God. Exactly. I, that is unbelievable. That, that is unbelievable. Oh, wow. I did not know she said that. Oh. Wow. I'm shocked. I didn't know. I didn't know she said it. I'm, I'm <laughs> wow. Three four seven eight five four one two seven two. Isn't that the freaking moment of the show, Mr. Elias? You know. Amazing. And that's what you say. Go ahead, Vanessa. Vanessa. To get in, Jay. I just want you guys to Go know. Ahead. I just yeah. wanted you guys to know that during the after party after uh, the debate. And people were on yeah. Joyce Page and were talking about Harris. Her staff, Harris's staff, y'all, was on the internet monitoring the chat of Harris on the internet and was bullying us, saying, "Y'all need to be careful. Don't be saying that about her. She is this, 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 and this. Her record proves this, 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 and this." Her people were on the Facebook page. Bullying those of us who were calling her the angry black woman or how she did bite and was saying things. So that just lets you know what kind of person she is when her staff is getting on Facebook and bullying us for having freedom of speech. It was amazing. I was like, really? She will not get my vote unless I have to give it to her. She will not get my vote. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, a, a lot of people are saying that. A lot of people, Miss Elias, are saying, "Look, she, she, she's done it." You know, and then Cory Booker with, "Oh, I, you know, I, Mr. President, I, I, you want to compare records? We can do that." Um, a lot of people say, um, "You know, you don't know the flavor of the Kool Aid." I mean, sit your sorry, crazy oh, self you. down. Man, he messed that up. He messed could that I, one up too. Did I? Did I jump into that project? Yeah, yeah, yeah Jerome, go ahead. So that's Jerome's favorite line. <laughs> yeah, okay, so I was just going to remind you of my Facebook post after he said that Because I, I was just curious Because if anybody black watches Now, I know you do stuff in politics to pander, right? One way or another, they're doing it to pander yeah. But, so after I saw Cory Booker say that I, Seriously, I just pretty much uh, want to know from black people How do they use that phrase? Because what Cory Booker <laughs> Uh, I'm serious. What Cory Booker said was, you're dipping in the Kool-Aid and don't even know the flavor. So my question yeah. was, all black people know he memorized that line, right? So I just said for 100 right. points, tell, tell Cory how we say it. Most people just said, all <laughs> up in the Kool-Aid and don't know the flavor. Or y'all are going to say it wrong. Exactly. Yeah. We usually say it here, differently. Man. So you can tell... When people, and it, and it reminds me, like, and, and my, my statement was that I'm surprised that he, he didn't look at Joe Biden and say, do you want to get jiggy with it? Because if he's misusing black, <laughs> anyway, he should have went all the way. I mean, he could just went all the way, messed all of them up. Uh, uh, uh. So 
Oh, my, that was a good one. He don't know that he just lost black people by not using it correctly. Black are you? What do you think of that, sir? Jerome posted it on Facebook, and people were actually answering him. Like, just coming up with all kind of Kool-Aid lines. It's like, really, Jerome? We had him looking it up. It's just, it was funny that people were following him with that about the Kool-Aid and get jiggy with it. I couldn't believe it. Let me, let me oh, <laughs> because they, there are ways that we use language, and people don't understand that we have cultural differences as black people. You can't just misappropriate black culture and then reapply it someplace else, because all black people are going to go, that's not how we use that. We know how we speak. Uh. When, when he had to think it out on the fly to appeal to black people, thinking that black people was going to cheer him from saying it, and, he, and then he said, dipping in the Kool-Aid, well, dips in the Kool-Aid. <laughs> That was just crazy. Oh, rang my ear, my bad. I tell you, a circular firing squad, that's what President Obama warned Democrats, and that's exactly what's happening. They can keep up this nonsense. All right, stop for the NPR News update uh, and Chatterbox, and on the need-to-know basis, all that is coming up next. You're listening to the serious side. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Rice University's Master of Computer Science program. Available online for professionals to learn in-demand computer science skills. Classes start fall 2019 at rice.edu slash NPR. In Hong Kong, there is ongoing turbulence this weekend. Protesters back on the streets today following clashes last night with riot police. A popular shopping district became a flashpoint. Later in the evening, NPR's Julie McCarthy reports that residents turned on police furious that tear gas had been used in the area. The violence raged late into Saturday night, flaring across Kowloon in multiple areas, including those usually choked with shoppers. A police-sanctioned demonstration began peacefully, but marchers diverged from the approved route and the more radical among them gathered outside a police station spraying its walls with graffiti and shouting expletives at the police. Authorities sparse in the afternoon were out in force by evening showering tear gas at protesters who fought back with bricks. Police condemned the protesters as deliberately undermining social peace and challenging national sovereignty. Police nabbing protesters in a local train station drew residents to the scene demanding Police release them. Julie McCarthy, MPR News, Hong Kong. A group that monitors arrests in Russia says more than 800 people were detained at this weekend's rally in Moscow against the exclusion of opposition candidates from city council elections. The detentions came a week after authorities arrested nearly 1,400 people at a similar protest. The French inventor Frankie Zapata has succeeded in crossing the English Channel on a jet-powered hoverboard. Zapata took off from a French coastal town near Calais this morning. After making a refueling stop on a platform mounted on a boat, he landed close to Dover on Britain's southern coast. I'm Giles Snyder, NPR News. All right. Welcome back in. It's time for Chatterbox. Final thoughts from our world-famous chat room. And uh, from social media, Mr. L to the E to the S. What do you have from the world-famous chat room, my friend? I got a couple of them, Jay. Covina man said, I can only imagine how many mass shootings is going to be the week after Trump loses the election. The death toll will be in the thousands the week after Trump loses. And then... Um, Hey, I wonder if Mayor de Blasio and Julia Castro would blame Obama for the shootings. Uh, 
Robert Bryce said he thinks that uh, what did he say? He thinks that um, to be poor is a is a choice. <laughs> he thinks that's a choice in life. And uh, 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 Coach House said that he's a uh, that Trump is a maturing maturing candidate. That's it. Absolutely. All right, I have a few I'm going to read due to time. Can't read them all, but I'm going to read a few. Pastor Stephen F. Jones, I pray for this nation. I believe, like most on the show, that we're heading towards a reckoning, not a race war. But what's the difference? Great show, and continue to pray for this great nation of ours. We'll do, Pastor. Ah, Marietta Music. I actually have some political commentary this morning. All right. Thank you, Mr. Elias. Okay, whatever. Senator Harris will never get my vote. Going, going after Barack? Pure insanity. Thank you. Craig from the DMV says, Johnny D, you're right. Jay's impressions are good. Thank you, Greg, and thank you, Johnny D. Mickey from Bad Rouge says, how are y'all any different than the Republicans who badmouthed Obama? I listen to the show every week with an open mind, but it's extremely hard to do when you and your cronies, ooh, ouch, on the show never <laughs> give the potter's credit for what he has accomplished. He took over America in 2017. That's a lie. Now, two years later, the economy is humming. Unemployment is at an all-time low, and Americans have more money in their pockets due to his successful tax cuts. Who the hell is this? He is finally making China pay for stealing our intellectual properties. There's no comparison between him and Obama, period. That's the most, that's the, that, that's the, the truest thing you said throughout that whole freaking commentary. You ain't kidding. That must be nuts. Or, you are um, not kidding. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. For our listeners' sake, we can't just comment on here and not expect us to correct you. So, you know, with a therapist, it's a tax. China ain't paying the tax. You are. Stop blowing. Yeah. Stop watching Fox yeah. News. And, they, and they're borrowing money Stop, from man. China to pay the farmers. That's the bad part of it. They're borrowing money. Come on, China Mickey. to pay the farmer. Come on, Mickey. This is crazy. Come on, Mickey. Mickey, you're, you're disrupting the show with this dude. One thing that he's put in place, one of his policies he's put in place to help you out, to help the economy. Name me one thing that he's put in place. Don't give me the tax cut. Because oh, the tax cut only helps the wealth. Stop, man. Stop. <laughs> Nobody can answer that question. Oh, give me one thing that he's put in place. One thing. Oh, this. Oh, God. This guy said that he took over a mess in 2017. Oh, my Lord. All right. On that, <laughs> I tell you what, I've laughed a lot this morning, but that's the biggest joke of them all. Thanks, Mickey, for listening, clown. And you know what time it is. Jesus Christ. The first lady dazzles on election night in a... Tell me, what do you want me to do? It is time for my favorite part of the show. On a need to know basis with Mr. Jerome Spree. Man, what do you <laughs> what do you have this morning? I hope it's funnier. You can't get any funnier than Mickey this morning. What do you have, sir? Oh. Uh, I'm gonna let the humor stay on that dude, whoever it is. Now, <laughs> July was the warmest uh, was the joint warmest um on record. Like it was the hottest month ever on record was July. So, hey, global warming, I just wanted to put that out there for those people who who are, who are Trump fans. I should have I gave that one to the guy who called in, because Trump has something to do with that, too, since you want to give him credit for something. <laughs> he's, uh, he's on track wow. for helping to create a bad environment for the rest of us. That's a good, that's a good record. 
he's on track for having the most um, white folks shooting people. Like that, that might be something oh. to, you know, he, he brought he brought white supremacy back in Justin Timberlake, but that's a whole other story. Um, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. If he, I just I just met if he thinks it's sexy. He brought white supremacy back. All right, um, hepatitis A. Um, there's a crisis that was declared in Florida and Philadelphia because the rates are soaring um, nationwide. So the rates are um, high in other states, including Kentucky, with about 4,793 this year. Ohio has 3,220. Um, West Virginia has 2,528. And Tennessee has 2,022. That's hepatitis A. Be careful out there. So, um, wow. There were some chocolate chip cookies that were recalled nationwide. So, after um, customers found a bit of blue plastic in them. So, if you eat the Intamin Little Bite Soft Baked Cookies, um, sold in batches of like 30 mini cookies, they were pulled off the shelves all across the United States on Thursday. So, if you don't know, you have some in the house, you might want to take them back to the store. Now, Apple, I know he's probably upset by that story. Go ahead, I'm sorry, Jerome. <laughs> oh no! Hey, hey. I, I'm I'm a chocolate. Yeah, you can go to hell, Jay. How about they that? Just, <laughs> they didn't hit my brand, so that's that's cool. So I shouldn't say that's cool. I do eat the uh, the intimate owned Fryhoffers, so you know they're still coming at the same plan. So I need to be careful. But it was just those those cookies. All right, now Apple is planning to buy Intel's smartphone chip unit for one billion dollars, according to a new report. They said they're in top in talks with the chip maker and um, it's a move that will help the iPhone maker um, control a key component of their own product that's according to the Wall Street Journal so whatever to them now a quarter of millennials said that they have no friends and one in three claim that they're lonely according to a new study like so the loneliness epidemic hitting millennials um, particularly hard is what they're saying in this new survey from YouGov, but nearly as uh, nearly as many uh, baby boomers boomers think that they have 50 friends um, or more, and millennials say they have none. So here's what baby boomers think they have too many friends, <laughs> and millennials think they have none. It's, it's just kind of odd, like it's 50 friends opposed to none. Hey, but isn't that what happened at um, Calumbine, speaking of, mm. you know, shootings and all of that? The, those eight right. guys around in trench coats talking about they don't have no friends and they didn't like the athletes and the cheerleaders, so they shot everybody? Right. Yeah. Millennials, right? So, That's it. Yep. The opioid epidemic uh, may cost states at least $130 billion in treatment or related expenses, and they said that's just the tip of the iceberg. So researchers from Penn State has concluded a series of studies to um, quantify the cost of the opioid opioid crisis. They said this is the first comprehensive tally um, looking at crime, Medicaid, Medicaid, and loss of work. So they're saying like that contribute to this $130 billion related expenses and opioids. All right, now New York State becomes the first um, state in the country to ban cat declawing. I don't really know what this means, but uh, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo signed a bill outlawing the removal of claws of cats for cosmetic reasons, With um, and it went to effect immediately. 
So the bill still per- permits the procedure for medical reasons, but for cosmetic reasons, you can't do it. Now, I'm not a cat person, so I don't really know what all that means, but you can't declaw your cat in New York State. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what that means. I, I guess I guess it's because in case they get loose, um, they can't defend themselves if they declawed or something. Maybe. And they shouldn't be getting loose, but that's a whole other story. Now, New York State Attorney General demands documents on insulin prices from the big big three um, pharma makers. So the cost of insulin in the United States has tripled since the early 2000s, prompting outrage and um, probes into dozens of state legislatures. And now New York State Attorney General is now going after them, which, again, with the opioids and all this other stuff, somebody should be going after these pharmacy um, pharmaceutical companies. I'm just going to put that out there. All right. Mm. Now, in New Jersey, assisted suicide is now legal. Now, terminally ill patients can now choose to end their own lives after a psychiatric screening. The right to die legislation passed in New Jersey in April came into effect on Thursday, allowing patients with six months or less to live to get permission for uh, life-ending drugs after a psychiatric Psychiatric evaluation. I don't know what I think about that, so I'm not going to comment. I'm, um, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not going to do that to myself, man. I'm I know. Not. So I'm gonna go, if I'm going to go out, I'm going to smoke weed on the way out. I'm just going to be honest. There you with you. go. I'm, I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I, I kind of feel okay. the same way, but I try not to get in other people's business. I have a live and let policy, but that just seems strange. You know, I don't think they should convict anybody of that either. You know, when they said that somebody yeah. assisted somebody. But, you know, we have all these cases of nurses, like, killing places. And so, I don't I don't know. Now, I don't know if you saw this um, this YouTube and, and um, it went viral with this um, company that has uh, called Angry Orchard. They, they issued a, uh, an apology and fired the manager of this um, winery. Well, it's a cidery is what they call it because they make apple cider. Angry, Angry Orchard is an apple cider, but it does kind of have alcohol right. in products. Um, like, so, following a, um, this racial bias, their racial bias, black patrons who were celebrating a marriage proposal, this woman um, um, wrote on Facebook that a white security employee at, at, um, interrupted her fiance proposing to her on Sunday, accusing him of stealing a T-shirt. So they checked this guy. Of course, he had no T-shirt on him. They left. In the middle of the proposal, they came back and asked them and their guests to empty their bags and pockets. They did it. They, they'd have to take me to jail, but they did it and had no T-shirt. So in a wow. statement, Henry Orchard said the situation was badly mishandled by the employee to say the least, and it announced staff training to address security awareness and unconscious bias. That was not unconscious. So she also apologized directly to the couple on the phone. They got a hold of them and apologized to them. But here's where white folks, and I'm going to say white folks, and send your your letters to, to your own garbage can, but... Here's where white folks get this really twisted, right? So they think their answer is doing training to stop um, harassing black people. It, it is just like, it, you, know what it, you know what I mean? It's like knowing that the 
guy who goes into Walmart and shoot twenty something people, or he shot he shot more than that, twenty some people died. They're walking him out in handcuffs with one officer with that kid. But they choke black right. people over loose cigarettes. Yes. Like what kind of training do you need? You don't need training. You need to know that if there's a white guy, you can shoot thirty people and they're gonna sit there and talk to you and then take your butt to Burger King. But if you're black, they're gonna shoot you because they think you might have something on you. And that's totally acceptable. So Angry Orchard <laughs> statement makes no sense that they're gonna do training on and they didn't say sensitivity. They said training on security awareness and unconscious bias, which means all of them have bias anyway. Just admit it and deal with it. Really? So, you, know. That's a, I, you know, that's what gets me when, when you have these people say, oh, racism is, is, is a gift. No, it's not. It's a gift. No, it's not. Racism is alive and well because if a black person goes into a store and you accuse me of stealing and I haven't stolen anything, that's, how, many, how many times have you seen that happen to white people? None. This doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Yep. So when you sit there and talk about racism, it's not existing. It's a, it's a grip. You're a liar, and you're you're lying who you are. Point it yep. out and let's deal with it. You are who you are. Deal with it. Yep. That's right. It, oh, you know, I want. I forgot to talk, talk about this story because um, we did talk about Kamala Harris. So Katy Perry, Ariana Grande, um, Demi um, Lovato were among the Hollywood heavyweights that turned up for this fireside chat with Kamala Harris in Brentwood, right? So, the gathering took place at this $20 million compound of this guy, Scooter Braun. Now, he helped guide the careers of people like Justin Bieber, Kanye, you know, and all those guys, right? So, once Mm -hmm. he did that, and she had that fundraiser, oh, by the way, he is also um, manipulative uh, with Taylor Swift called um, um, manipulative and a bully is what Taylor Swift called him. So her fans started going after Kamala Harris just for that phone fundraiser, right? And they said, I was so excited for you as a Democratic candidate, but if you choose to go to an event held by Scooter Braun, a man who um, um, arrogant, who's, who's arrogant whose arrogance mirrors our president, I can no longer hold you in uh, my excitement and faith in you as a presidential candidate is what somebody wrote. We can't have faith in you. And another one said, is, if Kamala Harris thinks that this will get her vote, she's delusional. Um, she said Scooter Braun is a thief who uses women to advance his bank account just like Kamala used a man to advance her career. And that was a shot at Will Brown, by the way. Oh. <laughs> you know what it was? Oh. Them Taylor Swift mm. fans was going after her. Not only wow. did she have a bad debate, she is getting underground um, social media stuff going on against her. And I told, like I said before on the show, I'm not gonna go at her because you know I, I'm just not gonna take no shots at her. But she is, she's causing these, she's causing those problems. You know, just like um, Vanessa said. Really. Her staff is causing them. She's causing them. Um, she's blowing mm-hmm. her chance at vice president. That's all I want to say. All right. So Jeffrey Epstein, um, <laughs> he threatened to ex- expose Donald Trump as a financial fraud after he stole his $120 million mansion. 
uh, and it led to Donald outing him as a pedophile to cops and launching the 2005 criminal probe. This is what Michael Wolf said in the book. He said, um, Michael Wolf, who was close to both men in the early 80s, writes in his Fire and Fury that Jeffrey Epstein was outed to authorities soon as he threatened to expose Trump as a financial fraud. That's why mm. that's why Trump is distancing himself from Jeffrey Epstein. Not because of this wow, you know, his his women issue. Oh, oh wow. and by the way, Je- speaking of Jeffrey Epstein, you know, he said um Jeffrey Epstein hopes to leave the human race with a few parting gifts when he dies. I was gonna save this till later. But um I think I need to have a end on a sober note, so I'll do this one now. So his parting groups and his and when he died is his head, his Johnson, and his DNA. So multiple sources okay. from the New York Times that over the years Epstein revealed to scientists and close friends that he hoped to seed the human race with his DNA by impregnating women at his vast Mexico, New Mexico ranch. Um, and an NSA uh, and a NASA scientist who attended one of Epstein's dinner after he served time for soliciting minors said that uh, the disgraced money man is what they called him had based this idea on this repository for, um, I guess, a germinal choice. So he wanted to leave his DNA to seed people with a bunch of, with millions more pedophiles, apparently. Jeffrey Epstein, our hero of um, the Trump era. Oh, speaking of the guy who said Trump's successful, this, my friend, is going in Trump's documentary. (laughs) Now, since we missed Trump, since we um, didn't... um, do a show around the Mueller testimony. Um, I want to bring this up. Here's a quick highlight of what happened. Trump welcomed the Russians to interfere and lied about it. Trump generally written answers that was untrue to the FBI. He lied to the mm-hmm. FBI. Oh, by the way, it's a crime. And generally, uh, uh, he lied overall anyway. Trump encouraged... Um, Trump was encouraging WikiLeaks. Um, Mueller said it was problematic and it was an understatement, which means he solicited from a foreign governor, a government, to put out some data on Hillary Clinton. Mueller said it was problematic and that's an understatement, which means it was probably criminal. He was trying not to say that. Um, Trump was not exonerated from obstruction. Nope. And he fears uh, accepting um, foreign help is the new normal, is what Mueller said. He fears that accepting it is a new normal. And um, Mueller also cleared up that he was not seeking a job as FBI director, as Trump lied on him, saying that Mueller wanted a job. Yep. So there, there were some quick highlights of what happened. But the truth was um, Trump committed at least 10 crimes. But he really wouldn't say yeah. that. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, so, T, I have time for one more, Jerome. Time for one more, brother. Oh, well, okay, well, we'll, we'll make this one. Uh, well, anyway, I'll say this. A Georgia elementary school is accused of racism by putting up a wall display showing black students uh, what were inappropriate and appropriate haircuts. So one parent um, of a student at this Harris elementary school noticed the controversial diagram um, as she passed through the halls and took a picture. 
It had no white kids' haircuts up there. Like, you can have your hair blue. You can do whatever you want to. But it had different black kids' haircuts telling them what was acceptable in school. Now, a couple of states just passed laws saying that you, California was one of them and New York State was another, that you cannot discriminate because of somebody's hair. Uh-huh. Black children got way too much um, while white kids are going out shooting people. Black kids got way too much to deal with when people start telling you that you got to watch how your hair, what, what's acceptable hairstyles. But that's all, yeah. I, that's all I want to say. That's crazy, maddening. crazy, crazy. Nonsense. <laughs> All right, man. Appreciate you. It's time for final thoughts. Uh, Mr. Johnny D's in the house. Final thoughts, sir. Once again, very informative, and I always appreciate having the opportunity to assemble. And and again, certainly thank the people who listen every week and welcome us into the homes and. Jay, like I say, thank you again for giving me the opportunity and enjoyed you last week, big bro. First time seeing you in 30 <laughs> years, man. You still look good, man. And had a chance to see my little <laughs> niece and Johnny. everything. So, don't lie to man, me. I tell Johnny, you what. Be hey, let, tell the truth, Johnny. Nancy still look good. Tell the good, truth, Johnny. Hey. Don't, sorry, Johnny. <laughs> tell the truth, Johnny. He's old. He's hey. gray and he's beat up. Stop, Johnny. No. Stop telling the truth, hey. Johnny. You know what? He still looks good, and, 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 and he's still he's still the same. Now he he know what I'm talking about. He's still the same. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, love y'all, man. I love you too, man. Hey, man, Jerome, man, Mr. Jerome is free, man. Final thoughts. Yeah. Uh, what? Okay. So, um, you know, I I um. You know, I wanted, I'll do this story. You know, there was a, an ex-Nazi soldier. He was 96. He helped slaughter 86 Frenchmen and boys in World War wow. II, charged with hate speech wow. after he said that they were to blame for their own death. death. Friends mm. don't play. You can say something that's racist and they're going to race you, arrest you. But that guy has skated. We have a lot of ex-Nazi people in the United States and in Argentina and all these other places. But now that they're older, they're talking noise, but this guy got arrested. So I say um, everybody's getting bolder in the Trump era, but you put out hate speech, your butt needs to be out. That's all I want to uh-huh. Good wow. stuff. And man, I guess the first day and last word on the serious side, the one and only Mr. L.E.S. Man, final thoughts. Look, folks, you know, even if Donald Trump loses in the 2020 election, I do believe there's going to be where he doesn't want to leave the office. So, look, get out and vote, and then, folks, get out and exercise your military rights because if that's going to be who's going to push him out. So, look, vote this clown out of office in 2020. If you don't vote him out of office, look forward to the same things you're getting now, which is a bunch of lies. You know, this past weekend, uh, I had an opportunity to spend time with my family, my extended family. Like Johnny D said, it was good to see him. I gave a big old bear hug and just embraced that brother man for about 30 seconds to a minute. The reason why I did that, because this man don't understand, you know, what role he played in my life. As you know, even though he talked about me mentoring him, he mentored me as well. And so I was just so blessed and fortunate to be this beautiful wife, met my nieces and nephews, and got a chance to see a lot of people. It was a great, great weekend. I cannot wait. Until we all get together again. And on that note, Mr. LES, if it's Sunday and we're talking serious stuff, what time is it, my friend? 
It's time for the serious side of the J. Rao Show. Folks, it's been a pleasure serving you. We can't wait to talk to you next Sunday. So, for Vanessa May Belly, for Jerome Esprit, for Mr. Elias, and for Johnny D, I'm J. Rao saying have a wonderful work we can remember. If it's Sunday and we're talking serious stuff, it is the serious side. God bless. Have a productive work week. We'll see you next weekend. You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. 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 Network.